What is going on, everybody? You're listening to another exciting episode of the Unlockables podcast, the story of video games, the people who play them, and the memories made along the way. As always, I am your host, Eric, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in and spending a little bit of your time with us. Wherever, whenever in time and space you might be located, it means a lot to me. Whether you're a veteran listener or a first-time listener, I welcome you all the same and like to say thank you so much for stopping by. I really do appreciate it. I love doing this and I love talking to people that stop by and listen to the show. So if you're a first-time listener, if you're a millionth-time listener, whenever, wherever, like I always say in every episode, in time and space, tweet at me, message me, say hi. I'd love to get to talk to you. Now, a couple things before we get started. First and foremost, top of the episode, as always, want to give a shout out to the guys over at Hyper Potions for making such awesome music. I use a little bit of their music by their permission in the start of the episode. You hear it every single episode, unless it's a specialty episode like Kingdom Hearts. Then I put in music from the series, but you hear it most every single episode. They are really awesome, guys. The link to the song, the link to their YouTube channel are in the show note description. Go check them out. They just have so many good songs on their YouTube channel. I cannot highly recommend it enough. If you're having a bad day, an off day, you go turn on a Hyper Potion song, you will be feeling so much better in no time. I I promise you this. Just go and do it. It's awesome. They have such great music based on video games, based on their own creations. Some yeah, You're sure to find something there that you'll like. I guarantee it. Now, one other thing. Just wanted to say... Appreciate you guys coming back after the brief hiatus. Man, I needed a week off after I pushed incredibly hard to put out the first two parts of Guiding Keys on the first installment in the Kingdom Hearts series. That was, I gotta be honest with you guys, the most work I've ever put into a series of episodes ever in my four or five years of of doing podcasts, of doing audio. I just took everything that I learned over my podcasting journey and crammed it into those two episodes and I was just exhausted and by the time we you know my wife and I went to Denver two weeks ago I was just exhausted and burned out and I just said I needed a week off and I think it's really important if you're a content creator a podcaster or something like that of recognizing the value that hey it's okay to take a week away people will understand you shouldn't feel the pressure to constantly produce to constantly put new things out If it's your livelihood, I can understand how you would be nervous to miss an episode and possibly miss out on potential revenue that you need to live. That's very important. But your well-being and your mental health are well important. So for my own sanity, after doing over four hours of Kingdom Hearts content in four separate recording episodes and spending probably four to five hours editing each, putting everything together, selecting music, getting voice lines from the game, I needed a week off. It was a lot. And on the topic of the Kingdom Hearts episodes, I really, really wanted to just extend a heartfelt thank you to everybody that listened to that. I was really kind of nervous, honestly scared to put those episodes out because those of you that know me, and if this is your first time on the the show, those games mean so much to me. They were, for better or worse, it's my favorite game franchise of all time, and I'm hoping that the passion I have for the series shows through in Guiding Keys, even though that being said, I was still nervous to put out those episodes because they were so near and dear to my heart. I wasn't sure how they were going to be received. Putting anything out on the internet for other people to listen to and judge 
takes a tremendous amount of courage. Don't knock yourself or just think, oh, I'm just putting stuff out into the ether. It, every time you willingly choose to upload and put something out there for people to listen to, you open yourself to being critiqued and you, you open yourself to being more vulnerable because once it's on the internet, people can say whatever they want to about it and there's nothing you can do. So to put something out there that was so near and dear to my heart really kind of scared me. But I got to say, the reaction and the response I got to the episodes was something more than I could have ever possibly imagined. Both of those episodes are already among some of the best performing episodes I've ever put out. Not that metrics are important to me, but more important than that metric stat is so many of you guys reached out to me and just said, this is really great. You put out something awesome. You should be proud of it. We loved listening to it, even though it was over four hours of Nomura BS. And that meant a tremendous amount to me. I hope you do realize that. It's a weird game series, but it's something that's very personal to me. I've explained it before. It is a game that I can go to whenever I feel bad, whenever I need to escape from life for a little while. That is those series of games to me. So to share them with you, and to have such kind words said in response was truly stunning, truly stunning. And I put out those episodes amongst some absolutely two weeks of incredible podcasting. People put out such great episodes. I mean, you know, people messaged me and told me that I upped my game, but everybody's game was upped the last two weeks from some of the fantastic podcast essays, guest episodes, solo endeavors. I won't name names, but you guys know who you are. Uh, absolutely incredible, phenomenal work. So to put something out there and feel like it can stand on its own with that other great pieces of podcasting felt really, really good. And again, I just appreciate all the nice things that were said. Even people that didn't like or didn't care about the series messaged me and said this was really good. I had a lot of anxiety putting out the end of part one of KH1 and part two of KH2 because I felt it was very dialogue heavy. I felt it was very story exposition heavy and I wasn't sure how well that would translate me speaking it into a microphone because I'm not always the most fluid speaker. I'm not always the best at describing things off the top of my head despite the 35 pages of notes I had on the subject and my confidence in the knowledge of the lore. I'm still not fantastic at that, and it's something I'm still working at to get better. But a lot of people reached out and said, you didn't drag your feet. You didn't linger too long on any one subject, and we learned a lot. So that's, again, thank you guys so much. I can't express my gratitude or appreciation enough for the kind things that were said to me. And it's emboldened me and given me courage going into the rest of the series. I'm working on Chain of Memories as we speak. I'm really excited to share that with you. I think it's going to be great. I'm going to take a little bit different of approach and just experiment and kind of see what I can do with pre-recorded scripted sections and free-flowing off-top-of-my-head sections. I'm going to kind of see what a blend of that looks like so I don't spend so much time kind of rambling like I felt like I did. And we're going to play with that and see because I think these first couple episodes will be me finding my footing and then hopefully by Kingdom Hearts 2 moving forward, we'll have found a, a style, found a rhythm, found a method to the madness, and I'll be able to move forward 
more confidently and explain the story better because after Kingdom Hearts 2, a lot of stuff starts changing. The titles that come after 2 introduce a lot of important concepts and are where the story really gets confusing. So I want to have that nailed down before I go on to that in order to give you guys the best possible experience. But like I've said multiple times now already in this five minute little spiel I have, can't thank you guys enough. It was just so many messages and words of encouragement, something that people genuinely really did like. So it really was something that I was proud of. And it's, it's been for a person that's as heavy as for a person that is such a big critic of himself as I am. The fact that I put this out not being sure and so many people liked it really made me feel good about a piece of content that I put out for the first time in a really long time. So that that's all you guys and you guys have given me confidence to go forward. And the response to these episodes has kind of shaped the future of Unlockables. I think it's going to shape the things that I do. The people and the stories of video games will always still be at the heart of the Unlockables, but I think moving forward, there are Guiding Keys has opened the door to being able to tell more types of stories in a way that I want to. And whereas before I wasn't quite sure if I could tell those stories or if this was a place even that was appropriate for those types of stories. Not that they're going to be like R-rated or anything like that, but I think the response to Guiding Keys has given me so many fresh and new ideas as a way to explore podcasting as a medium, especially for storytelling. And I think that's ultimately the direction I want to move forward with this podcast is since the dawn of time, the primary form of entertainment has been telling stories. And even now that is true, even though the medium of delivery has shifted to screens and listening and podcasts and movies and series and stuff like that. We're still compelled as humans to tell each other stories. And I think that story element is something that, especially the video game podcasting scene, sorely lacks. I mean, there are a lot of people that talk about the current history of video games, what's happening in the industry, the the past, the retro games, and people do such a fantastic job. But I think there's room for more stories to be told. And I think that is the path that I'm going to pursue going forward. And it was because of the success of Guiding Keys. We have a long way to go with Kingdom Hearts. That journey has just began. There's still over a dozen titles to dive into. There's still hours of content to be prepared. There's hours of editing, of recording to be done. And I'm excited to share that with you. I would love to get out Chain of Memories and Kingdom Hearts 2 before the year is over. We'll have to see how that shakes out because life has been a little bit hectic lately. So as is my theme going forward through all of life is life is hectic. So we shall see. Chain of Memories will definitely be out before the year is over. Two may be out late end of year, early 2023. We'll have to see. I'll keep you guys updated on that as we go. But I just wanted to say thank you guys so much. I'm very excited to share this passion, to continue to share this passion with you guys. Now let's get on to the good stuff, the meat, the juice, the 
main course of this episode, if you will. I know when you clicked on the title, you saw what it said to remake or not to remake. So, of course, you probably already know what this episode is going to be about. And I needed kind of an episode to fill the gap until I got my guests back on, which there are a ton of amazing guests coming down the pipeline. I'm really excited for you to hear the stories that everyone has to tell. It's going to be a great time. But, of course, today, and you might recognize the name of the title. I actually stole it from SideQuesting Podcast, the show I was on previously, because, you know, theft and all that stuff. To remake or not to remake, which means we're going to be talking about video game remakes and remasters, right? I know I'm kind of late. Honestly, in terms of video game news, if the news is a train station, I've pulled up not even the same day that the train departed, right? I have completely missed it. I'm sleeping on the platform waiting for the next train to pull in to the station because I've missed it so bad. But it's something that I still think is interesting. And like I said, when there are certain industry things going on, I will throw my hat into the proverbial ring, if you will, about certain subjects. And Remakes Remasters is one of them because I'm very passionate about the overall preservation of video games as a art form and as a media vehicle to convey stories, I guess you could say. Of course, this topic is obviously spurred on by the recent launch of The Last of Us Part 1, and I'm sure everybody is rolling their eyes. This has been talked to death over the last several weeks, I know, but I have to put my two cents in. I just couldn't get an episode out on time because I was literally stuck in Nomura's fever dream trying to explain darkness and hearts for the last three weeks. So... Remakes and remasters is going to be the topic today. And before we discuss my thoughts on remakes and remasters, it's going to get a little bit off the rails because I'm going to go on a rambling spree like I do. I want to make one thing incredibly clear. Regardless of my opinion on the matter or anyone else's opinion, the question of is The Last of Us remake part one worth your money, worth $70? Is it necessary? Is it unnecessary? Those are things that are going to be debated amongst people who talk about the industry, right? Regardless of any of that, nobody gets to dictate what you enjoy or spend your money on other than you. It's nobody else's business. You earn the money. You work the long days at whatever it is that you do, whether you're an engineer, whether you're making food for people. It doesn't matter. You've earned that money. You put in the time and the hours. You have one life to live, so you get to dictate how you want to spend your money. You determine the value of what your money can buy, and you determine the value of the thing that you are buying. A $70 video game to one person might not be as valuable as it is to another person, and that is not the person's business who doesn't think it's as valuable to judge the other person for buying said thing. That is completely unnecessary. It'd be like me tell, like standing in the grocery store and yelling at you for buying cheese slices with your money because I don't think cheese is worth it. That's maybe a really bad analogy that I just literally came up with off the top of my head. Not saying that The Last of Us Part 1 is cheese. Maybe it's your favorite cheese. I don't know. Maybe, it's, maybe you really like Pepper Jack. And, you, and you, you, know, you jam with Pepper Jack and you just, you'll fucking slam Pepper Jack slices all day every day. But maybe you're the other person. Maybe Last of Us Part 1 is your least favorite cheese. Maybe it's fucking Gouda or, or blue cheese or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not a cheese expert, but it's just the analogy I came up with on my head right now. Doesn't matter. You as the individual get to decide 
what constitutes value for your money and your time and nobody else. So don't be fucking judging nobody for spending money on a video game if they enjoy it. I'll tell you right now, regardless of whatever hot takes I'm about to throw at the wall and pretend that I am intelligent and know what I'm talking about, I have no leg to stand on in this argument. Even if I say The Last of Us Part 1 is not worth $70, it shouldn't it ever have been made, I have no leg to stand on. You're talking to a person who has bought Final Fantasy IX on five platforms. I purchased that game on mobile, Switch, PS1, PS4, and Steam. I own five copies of Final Fantasy IX. Your boy has purchased the KAH collections multiple times. I own 1.5 separately, 2.5 separately, 1.5 plus 2.5 together. I own Final Chapter Prologue. I own Story So Far. I own Kingdom Hearts 1 like five times in five different iterations. <laughs> I've also bought Skyrim three times. So even if I sit up here on my soapbox in my glass house that I pay a hefty mortgage on on top of my hill and look down upon the gaming peons and say, you're stupid for spending $70, which I would never do. That doesn't matter. I don't have a, I'm already discrediting myself because I own Kingdom Hearts and I own Final Fantasy IX so many different times and I've bought Skyrim three times. That's the joke, right? I think I even own Grand Theft Auto V three times. So I don't really have a leg to stand on, even though those aren't technically remakes, remasters, but that's not, it doesn't matter. Despite being a mass media, which means that games are normally produced with the intention to, to appeal to as many people as possible, I would argue that the act of playing a video game is still a very personal and solitary experience, except for the fact when it's designed to not be like that, like it's a Fortnite or something like that. It's designed to be played socially. But most of the games especially in the case of Last of Us Part 1, are being played in a solitary experience or in front of maybe like a loved one or a small group of people. It is not designed to be a social outing. And because of that, games connect, different games connect with different people differently, even though I just use different in that sentence four different times. You know what that means. Games come into our lives and affect us at different points in our lives when we might be emotional, we might be vulnerable, we might be feeling certain things, we might be going through a hard breakup or the loss of a loved one, a tough medical diagnosis. And the games that are in our lives at those points leave marks and leave lasting memories. That much is very clear. Just listen to any one of the number of people I've had on the show and have come on and shared amazing stories of their connections to video games. For me, again, I know you're tired of hearing it, but that example is Kingdom Hearts, the Kingdom Hearts franchise, specifically Kingdom Hearts 2 in those early 2000s years and even later in my life when I went back to play those games. Those games were always present for me in very, very difficult times when I hit rock bottom, overloaded with coursework, unsure about the certain of my career, the path of my career, after lost loves, hearing tough news. Kingdom Hearts was a game that I will always go back to because it is a safe haven for me. It is comfort. It is somewhere I can go when I just want to be happy. I can feel good things. I have so many strong emotional memories attached to that series that that's what those games are to me. Any game that you shit on or pick up or, or see on the shelf could be someone else's Kingdom Hearts. That game could be a shelter, a safe haven, a place of emotional stability for a person that desperately needs it. 
that could be The Last of Us Part 1. I, I've seen on Twitter multiple people tell their stories about how The Last of Us affected their lives and the story that that game told holds a very special place in their heart and it was a story they needed at that time in their lives. That is the truth of The Last of Us. That's what I see. It's not that it's this amazing, groundbreaking gameplay, but it's the way that The Last of Us conveys its story that made it such a memorable experience for so many people. This might be a laughable concept too, but a lot of the themes and ideas of Kingdom Hearts I actively try to emulate in my daily life. Despite it being a silly game about Final Fantasy and Disney characters, I really do take to heart the lessons that game tries to, haha heart, get it? That game tries to convey to live life following your heart, to not second guess yourself, to stay true to your friends, to be in, in all cases as much as you can just to have a positive outlook on life and just be happy for other people when they succeed and just have a joyous outlook on life. That's, it's really, really what I try to do. So basically, this is my long-winded way of saying you don't get to decide what other people enjoy or spend their money on or anything like that because that game might be super important to them. The Last of Us might be super important to so many people. The story it tells, it tells a very touching father story. Maybe you have a complicated relationship with your father figure and it's just a story that emotionally connects with you. It's very possible. So that's something that gets lost in all of this hullabaloo about industry stuff and $70 price tags and remakes and all this stuff is that this game might be really important for a lot of people. And I too am guilty of it. I immediately when the news was announced this game, I was like, this is a Sony cash grab. That's a, that was my knee-jerk reaction how I felt about this game and well we'll get into details about that I still kind of think that's the case but that's besides the point buy what you want spend your money on what you want enjoy it the way you want to and don't listen to what anybody else has to say and if you're a person who's being like a Debbie Downer just stop shut up it's okay for you to complain and have your takes and whatever on your podcast and say I don't think Sony should be doing this for this reason you know that's fair you can say that I've actively decried the decisions that Sony has made recently as not consumer friendly. But if you see somebody like enjoying The Last of Us Part 1 remake and you're actively going out of your way to like harass that person, like you, that's where you need to stop. That's where the line gets drawn with this remake remaster stuff. So now that I've made that abundantly clear, I want to talk specifically about The Last of Us Part 1 as a remake. general thoughts on it and above all I am very happy that people get to enjoy this game that love it I think that's great any as a person that has been waiting for so long for a modern advanced wars remake reboot and I'm so close to getting it it brings me joy seeing people get to experience 
things that they love in a new way. Despite my kind of weird feelings about Final Fantasy VII Remake and what that does to the original story, how beloved, how much I love that game, I'm not going to... I think it's great that people get to experience these characters in a new way, ultimately. And I'm excited to see what the future Final Fantasy VII Remake titles have in store for us. So that being said, let's talk about remakes and The Last of Us Part 1. Sony claims that The Last of Us Part 1 is a remake from the ground up with a lot of elements remade with the PS5 in mind. Uh, I believe that this is accurate. I'm pretty sure that they rebuilt this game from the ground up to be as functional and good looking as possible while remaining faithful to the original because the original is such a beloved game, right? I would say this is accurate. I have no doubt that this game is a remake, but this is a, seems to be a, from what I've seen, like I said, I'm, I'm speculating here, but from what I've seen, Sony's made a big deal about comparing the Last of Us remaster for PS4 with the part one and showing how much better it looks. It seems to be a shot for shot remake of The Last of Us with improvements made to graphics and minor improvements made to make the gameplay a little more bearable because it is a game from the PS3. It plays like a Naughty Dog game from the PS3, let's be honest. I don't think this is a remake in the same vein as the Final Fantasy VII remake or like the Resident Evil 2 remake are. And I listened to a really great episode a couple days ago from your friendly neighborhood gamers. They are kind of recapping some of the games they played. They touched on this a little bit. They did a really great job of talking about this. So go and listen to that if, if you know, if you haven't yet. It's, it's really good and it's really thoughtful. And I, I probably will parrot a couple of points that they bring up here uh, just because the difference between something that's like the Final Fantasy VII remake and this Last of Us remake is that the Final Fantasy VII remake is remaking a game that is 25 years old. They just celebrated, what, the 25th anniversary? Is that correct? I, I believe so. They're completely remaking a game that is 25 years old. It would be a different story completely if, let's say, they remade Final Fantasy VII turn-based the way it used to be, shot for shot, top down like that. That would be a remake more in the style of The Last of Us Part One. So we're getting into different tiers of remakes here. But Final Fantasy VII Remake is a complete reimagining of a familiar story and familiar characters. This is not the route Sony decided to take and Naughty Dog decided to take with The Last of Us Part One. Did they do the same thing and remake it from the ground up? I'm not an expert on video game development, but I believe that they, they probably did this to make it better. But it's the same story. Nothing is drastically changing as much as it has drastically changed in for example final fantasy 7 remake like those characters that whole world feels so much more alive it feels so much more different than the polygonal hell that was final fantasy 7 i can't speak too much for the re2 remake but if you've seen the original re1 and re2 games re2 remake is built from the ground up it is might as well be a brand new experience I wouldn't argue that The Last of Us Part 1 is a brand new experience. I would argue it is a familiar experience with a fresh coat of paint. It's not a remaster because they've already done that. I would, it is a remake, but it's 
it's closer to the line of a remaster than a full-blown remake. I was trying to think of like names of what this would call be called. I came up with a couple of stupid ones. I came up with a master make, make master. It's it's, it's something of a hybrid. Maybe not a hybrid. Maybe hybrid's not the right word, but I don't think it's the exact same as some of these games that have been getting the remake treatment. You can easily identify, like Sony's been doing, by putting the two Last of Us side by side because they show shot for shot comparisons as to what the game looks like. And this is where my argument about if you were truly quote unquote remaking Final Fantasy VII Remake, it would be top down. It would have turn based combat. It would have all those same scenarios laid out in exactly the same way. But it's it's not. It's a, it's a completely different a completely different experience. I would argue that the R RE two remake has a similar story, similar elements. But again, being remade as a modern video game, no one would argue that those two games are the same. You can very strongly make the argument that the Last of Us Part One and Last of Us Remastered are a relatively similar, if not same, game. Another example, like I mentioned at the top of the show, or like middle of the show, the Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. That is a remake. It has, comp- has art, it has story elements, it has voice acting, things that are completely different. While the core gameplay might be the same, that is a completely unrecognizable game from the original. The ultimate question, and it's, it's kind of the thing that we have been talking about since this was announced at the end of July or June or whenever it was, time is an illusion, all the J months blend together, I can't believe it's September already, holy cow, I got married six months ago, unreal, but the question on a lot of people's mind is, what is the purpose of this Last of Us Part 1? I mean... Final Fantasy VII Remake had a purpose. They wanted a modern telling of a really popular Final Fantasy story. The RE2 Remake has a purpose. They wanted a modern telling of a classic RE story. Even the Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Remake, which is two games in one, makes sense because they wanted to capitalize off of the insane success of Fire Emblem, the series that actually came over to America after the success of Advance Wars. It's just unfortunate that Advance Wars wasn't long-term as successful. But what is the purpose of this game? And is it worth $70? Now, the short answer, the immediate answer is to just listen back to the beginning of the episode after the Kingdom Hearts stuff, where I said, if you deem it worthy, then yes, it's, it's 100% worth it. It's 100% worth it. But as I'm thinking about the purpose of this game, the purpose of all games Would it be great if people just made games for art and didn't charge money for them and we could play them for free and people just did it because they love to do it? Yeah, that would be fantastic. But the unfortunate reality of it is, is video games are popular. Therefore, video games make people money. So, well, I have no doubt that video games are being made with the best intentions for people to express themselves artistically and to be able to tell a story through an interactive medium. Money is always a question in there somewhere. People aren't just doing it because they love to do it. They're doing it to feed their families. They're doing it to save for that vacation. They're doing it to save for retirement. They're doing it to afford the things in life that they love to do, to take care of their families. Businesses, which is the cornerstone of the capitalist society in which we find ourselves in, 
do it to make money because video games are popular and people like video games. Therefore, they are going to sell video games to people because the market demands it. Sony has found massive, massive commercial success with its first party titles. The Last of Us, Horizon, God of War. I almost said Days Gone, but that game seems to be relatively popular despite the fact that Sony hates it so much. I hear that game talked about a lot still. It would seem to me that Sony's ultimate goal is to capitalize slash maximize profits off of its most popular IPs. And let's be honest, that's honestly an understandable business move. As, you know, slimy as I think. It's not, it's not anything different than Nintendo does, right? Nintendo has been living off of the success of the sacks of gold coins that Mario brings home every game they put out. I mean, they basically make five video games, right? No, they make more. I'm just kidding. But like they just they've just lived off of their characters and made a business model out of it. And now they're doing the same thing as everybody else. Which is that's what Sony doing to me. The Last of Us Part One remake was a response and it was a response to a different series that got extremely popular whose video games benefited from the series' existence. And I'm talking about, of course, The Witcher, starring everybody's favorite nerd hunk, Henry Cavill, as Geralt of Rivia. It has been pretty well documented that the success of The Witcher on Netflix was a overall boon for the entire Witcher franchise as a whole, meaning books, anything adjacently related to The Witcher, of course, talking about CD Projekt Red's recent Witcher masterpiece, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, that game sold a ton more copies. So, Sony, kind of seeing that, starts to get this idea in their head that, hey, people like media that is adjacent to video games that is spun off. And now, look at what we have here. We have an Uncharted movie. We have... Every single one of Sony's big games, their independent, their first party IPs, there's a Horizon Zero Dawn show coming out. There's a God of War show. I believe Amazon has the God of War show. We're getting The Last of Us. It is premiering next year. There's going to be a Days Gone movie, I think, or some kind of Days Gone media, despite the fact that Sony doesn't like that game. But hey, they're sure willing to throw a fucking Days Gone something for us to watch out there, despite the fact that they have no interest in making a second one of those games. I think that Sony wanted an updated Last of Us Part 1 to coincide with the launch of the show, and I don't think that's a groundbreaking thing to say. I don't even think I'm the first person that said that. I think that is, you know, despite them not saying that that's what they want, corporate synergy is good for the bottom line, right? I think they're anticipating a flood of new fans to The Last of Us and the only Last of Us related media that I know of is the video game. I don't, I'm sure there's like books and stuff probably. I don't really know about that stuff, but there's not books in the sense of like how there were wit, like The Witcher was a book series before it was a game in a show or that Game of Thrones was a book series before it was a show or Lord of the Rings was a book series before it was a movie series and now a show and video games and all that stuff and now Embracer Group owns the rights and now they're just going to milk the shit out of 
Tolkien's beloved property and I'm going to cry as the remnants of my childhood and my youth are just squeezed and strained through the fucking juice press of capitalism to wring every last dollar out of my body. Uh, anyways, Sony definitely wants to corporate synergize off the launch of The Last of Us show and they're going to be doing the same thing with all of their other medias, right? Sony sees the dollar sign. Sony's in it to make money. So they're going to milk these franchises to death. And I think what's getting lost in a lot of this is the sense of finality that some series bring upon completion. I think there are certain things that shouldn't be touched. I know, I think one of my favorite sayings is, and I can't remember what it's from now because I'm drinking a beer while recording this podcast. Uh, Nothing is beautiful because it lasts forever. Things have beauty because they're finite. Our lives have meaning because they're, they're finite. Games, to me, have meaning because they're finite and they wrap things up, right? I don't have the same emotional connections to these live service games as I do to stuff in my past that has finite endings. The original Halo trilogy is really personal and special to me because, in my opinion, that... The Halo trilogy, the original one, two, three, is a perfect story that wrapped up so beautifully, so wonderfully on such a high note of that warthog escape of Master Chief being stuck in space, but Earth thinking he's dead. It was such a felt like a finality that I was happy. I was content with the fact that it ended. It's the same thing with my feelings about Kingdom Hearts one and two. And something this is a little bit of my sneak preview, my thoughts into Kingdom Hearts two. The original Kingdom Hearts trilogy, one, Chain of Memories less so, and two, self-contained to itself, is actually a really fucking great story. And Kingdom Hearts 2 really ends it on almost a perfect note. But because of the financial success of Kingdom Hearts, they just have to drag it out and it's turned into the Nomura insane Frankenstein experiment that it's turned into now. Things aren't going to be left alone. Things aren't going to be final. Things aren't going to be finite. Because they can make money. And now that my generation has come of age, we're so desperate for nostalgia. That feeling of the thing that we felt when we first encountered that media. So much of our self-identity, so much of our feelings are attached to certain pieces of media. Just look at the success of Top Gun Maverick. It's the number five movie in, in all of North America ever. A movie about Tom Cruise flying planes. But so many people had such a strong emotional connection to the original Top Gun. That that movie is just making so much money, hand over fist. And these companies have figured this out. We're in the era that any amount of money they can wring out of us by leveraging our emotions and our nostalgia, they're absolutely going to. And even though The Last of Us isn't what I would call an old game. I mean, yeah, sure, it's what, maybe it's approaching 10 years old at this point. It's been remade three times. Sony is going to try and wring every single dollar out of their popular franchises that they can. By any means necessary. Even if it means putting them in TV shows, in movies. And I don't know how I feel about that. Because I think that things are beautiful because they end. Even though, as I say, Final or Kingdom Hearts is my favorite franchise and it's been ongoing for 20 years now. I truly felt, I've told you guys this, I truly felt that when Kingdom Hearts 3 ended, there was a sense of finality, there was a sense of completion, and I felt content. 
and now they're doing four and all that it's just going to go into this next crazy story because they have to make money and i i personally believe that story should end it's it's my it's why i love final fantasy 9 so much because that is a very beautiful self-contained story that has a really satisfying but somber ending and i think i haven't played last of us part two yet but i think the stories that the last of us part one and two tell are really really great despite not having played the last of us part two i I know generally kind of the outline of what happens and i think the stories that last of us part one and two tell about humanity about revenge about finding family in the least unexpected places is a really beautiful story but now it's just going to be shoved down our throats so much so that sony can make the money and that's really what i'm worried about is that these beautiful things that are supposed to be story that are supposed to be works of art that are supposed to be emotionally meaningful to people are going to be leveraged by these corporations that have figured out that they can make the most money by telling us it's it's why all these series all these stories all these movies everything that's coming out has become more and more and more designed to be emotionally appealing and to to separate you from your dollars and i sorry that that's a really cynical take but uh in my opinion I don't think The Last of Us Part 1 is a necessary thing. I, I don't see a reason for it to exist at all. I think The Last of Us Remastered, if you just put in the time to put it up to the PS5, it would be fine. But Sony obviously made the calculated decision that it would make them money to remake this game from the ground up. Uh, to me, just so you know my personal thoughts on it a little bit, I like the story of the last of us i think it's a really touching story i was driven to tears at the end of that story it's a good video game i wouldn't call it a great video game i would call it a great story because the gameplay is still ps3 naughty dog and i did not enjoy playing that game as much as other games that i've played i would say that (laughs) this is going to be a stupid sounding take uh, Monster Hunter World was a better game than The Last of Us. Not story-wise, because there's absolutely zero story, and it's that for that reason why I say that uh, Last of Us is a great story. It is probably one of the greatest video game stories that has ever been told, and I will never take that away from it. The gameplay in Monster Hunter World is better. The gameplay in Destiny is better. You know, the games feel better to play. The Last of Us didn't feel fantastic to play. It was doable. I enjoyed it at the time i have never once wanted to go back to it to play the game again i would watch the story again i'd watch the cutscenes again and i have done that i've watched the cutscenes again i have no desire to, to play the story at all after uncharted 2 and then after you know the last and it's the reason why i haven't gone in the last of us part two yet because i just that gameplay i'm kind of over it i'm kind of past it i have no doubt that it's great again reiterating story point of view Last of Us is a fucking great story. Incredible. Top tier. There are very, very, very few games, probably I can count on one hand, that top it storytelling-wise. Gameplay-wise, it's a good video game. Those are my thoughts on it. Just be mindful of what these corporations are trying to do when they're doing things like this, right? Of course, Sky, uh, of course Bethesda wants Skyrim to be on everything possible because that game was enormous. They're doing it to make money. Of course... Rockstar wants GTA 5 to be on everything because it makes all the money. That is the driving factor. 
I don't think The Last of Us Part 1 from an artistic media standpoint is something that needed to exist. I really don't. But it does exist. And the fact that it exists is fine. If you bought it, if you enjoy it, if it's something that you love, that's great. I am incredibly thrilled and incredibly happy that Last of Us fans continue to eat so well and to get so much great stuff for them to consume. And me, a simple sad boy Kingdom Hearts and Advanced Wars fan, has to just sit here and just wait <laughs> and watch other people eat from all the bounties that Sony's given them. I'm just, I'm just afraid. I mean, I feel like we're starting to see it with Marvel. I consumed every bit of Marvel content through Endgame. I've watched pretty much all the movies up until now. All the shows I'm catching up on. But with every show that passes, with every movie that comes out, I'm just like, this is still going on. This is still going on. This is still going on. And they're, they're just, they're saturating the market so much with superhero Marvel stuff that I'm just getting tired of it. And I'm afraid that Sony's going to do the same thing. They're going to give us so much Last of Us. They're going to give us so much, so much Horizon. They're going to give us so much of their popular franchises. That's just going to saturate the market. And we're going to be tired of it. And I don't want that. I think it's an incredibly courageous and incredible decision that Santa Monica is ending this saga of God of War with the second game. They're not going for a trilogy on it. They're ending it. They're telling the story that they want to tell in two games and ending on a high note. And I think that in this day and age takes a tremendous amount of courage. Now, Sony will not let Sleeping Dogs Lie, of course. They're going to do something with that property. We'll just have to see what it is. Whether Kratos dies in Ragnarok, whether that's the end of his story and Atreus takes over, however that works. Sony will have God of War in some form in the future because it's making them money. But this specific God of War is coming to an end. This Norse mythology saga, whatever it is, is coming to an end with Ragnarok. And I think for them to not cave to the pressure and say, hey, the story we want to tell is only two games long and we don't want to work on the same game for 10 years in a row is incredibly courageous. In an era where you just want to sequelize things and you want to squeeze as much money as you can out of people's emotions. Why do you think they're throwing so many things into Fortnite? That game becomes relevant every five months when they throw something into it that people have an emotional attachment to. I was flabbergasted when they put Dragon Ball into Fortnite. I could not believe it. Dragon Ball is such an important piece of media in my life growing up. It introduced me to anime. It has some of my favorite characters. Vegeta is one of my favorite characters. One of the best character arcs in Dragon Ball Z, specifically. In a video game. In a show. Uh, Kid Gohan, with one of the best character arcs in any source of media ever, whose story got ruined, should have been capped off with the Cell Saga. I'm going into other shit, but I think you need to know when it's time to end things and just this endlessly squeezing and wringing out. This is what ruined Game of Thrones. They stretched that show out so much over however many years that the creators wanted to be done with it. So they're like, we're just going to put out two truncated seasons and end it because we want to be done. Because they wanted to keep riding the hype train. They wanted to keep riding the hype train. We want to keep making money off this. Make more money off of it, HBO says. We'll give you more money. Keep making money. Eventually, all good things must come to an end. Everything can't 
continue indefinitely unless it's like Doctor Who. It's been on the air for like 60 years. All good things must and should come to an end. I truly believe this. It's why Breaking Bad is one of my favorite series to this day, despite the problems. You know, there are obvious flaws and problems with that series, as there are with any series. But Vince Gilligan, who ran that show, said he told the story he wanted to tell in five seasons he wasn't going to drag it out. I feel like the same, he employed the same strategy in Better Call Saul. It was my problem with The Walking Dead. I, used to, I watched The Walking Dead religiously up to like whatever the season was with Negan, and it just it didn't end. It did not end. Like the first couple seasons of Walking Dead are, are fantastic television, but it just goes on so long and it loses the soul of, of what it is, of, of what it was meant to be. And I'm just worried that the same thing will happen as we continue to just wring dry all of our favorite creative properties. I was a little bit skeptical about Dragon Ball Super coming back because Z was so important in my childhood and that was, it was just a series that was over. Obviously, there was money to be made, so obviously they came back. Obviously, Akira Toriyama felt there was more story to be told. It's why I'm curious to see where they're going to go with My Hero Academia. We're rapidly approaching the end of that story. Supposedly, the, that's what the creator of the story has said. That's where the manga is at. We're, facing, we're approaching the final showdown. If you keep remaking things, if you keep remastering things, if you keep revisiting things, then what makes those things special loses its specialness because of saturation. And that's kind of the take that I have on remakes and remasters. I don't think it's bad that part one exists. Just be mindful of why it exists. And like I said at the top, I am not judging anybody that bought this game. I think it's great if you're currently enjoying this game. I'm sure it's a fantastic game. I'm sure it's a better made game than most games on the market because Naughty Dog does put out quality work. They're one of the... I can... Maybe name two other studios that stand toe-to-toe with Naughty Dog when it comes to, to making video games. Whatever team puts out Mario and maybe Insomniac. And y'all be sleeping on Mario. I don't want to hear nothing. Odyssey is a fucking fantastical playground. Anyways, those are my thoughts on the remake. Do I want more things to be remade? Yes, I would fucking kill for an Unreal Engine 5 remake of Kingdom Hearts the original. I think that'd be super cool. But certain things should just be left alone, meant to be enjoyed, but that's just not the society we live in. And I think if you're, obviously everyone's intent with remakes is to make more money by capitalizing on nostalgia. So just be mindful of that. I think if it's something that's 20 years old, 25 years old, I don't think there's a problem with that. Uh, Movies have been remaking movies since the dawn of time, since movies were invented. So take that as you will. That's my thoughts. Remakes, remasters. I don't really know what the point of this was. I just wanted to talk about it and some of the thoughts I had and get them out into the ether. The message at the end of the day is enjoy video games. If you love video games, just enjoy it. If you bought it, that's great. I hope you got an undamaged premium edition of The Last of Us that Sony didn't fire out of a cannon out of a back of a UPS truck or however they delivered them or whatever. So I hope you're enjoying it. Because at the end of the day, games are meant to be enjoyed and games are about your personal journey. Guys, I'd like to thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my rant on how corporations are using my nostalgia to take money from all of us and using our nostalgia to take money from all of us. But I really appreciate it. We're back in the swing of things here. We're going to start having some guest episodes coming up. 
And then in the distant future, we'll have Chain of Memories on Guiding Keys. We have some exciting things coming. The end of the year is rapidly approaching. The game of the year conversation is becoming ever louder and more clear. Is Elden Ring the runaway favorite? Will God of War Ragnarok unseat it? Is there a potential dark horse that could potentially steal the crown? I have some exciting plans coming up for game of the year stuff and exciting plans for the turn of the year. And I'm continuing to develop those ideas as we speak. And I'm excited to share them with you relatively soon. I'll be asking a lot of you to take part in them because the spirit of this show is collaboration. And I love collaborating with other people, mostly because I'm stupid and other people have way more knowledge than me. And it makes me uh, not have to talk as much. And that's always good. Uh, you can find the podcast anywhere that uh, podcasts are available. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you've already found it. Thanks for listening. Congratulations. Welcome to the party. I love it. You can follow me on all the social medias. You can go to linktr.ee forward slash unlockables podcast. That's where all the links are. You find it to Twitter, Instagram, and all of the places that the podcast is located. I do most of my tweeting on my personal Instagram account and and my per- not my personal Instagram. I do most of my tweeting on my personal Twitter page, and all of those links will be in the description of the episode, as always. Thank you guys so much. I really, really appreciate it. And remember, your video game journey is personal to you and only you.